Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. Back from two weeks off, and we are full steam ahead into the 2022 NFL campaign. And training camp starts tomorrow on Tuesday, July 26th. This is like Christmas Eve for all of us out there. The commanders will get rocking and rolling out in Ashburn. Lots to get to today on both sides of the ball. Just wanted to go through a, a, some storylines to keep an eye out for as they progress throughout camp out in Ashburn for Ron Rivera's unit. Third season under Ron, a massive campaign for overall outlook of this team, their window for success. Obviously, new quarterback in town. He got some new weapons on the outside, Jahan Dotson to pair with Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, the names go on and on. Some new pieces on the defensive side of the ball. Some faces are now gone and added Ioannidis and Tim Settle, Landon Collins. These guys are gone. But want to get into a bunch of stuff today. But before we get rolling, want to let you know that our partners, our Bet Online, continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments on this year's Major League Baseball odds, moving forward into the NHL season, NBA, obviously college football, and getting your bets in, obviously, for NFL futures bets. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. So today, basically the outlook of today's podcast is going to be a full training camp preview. Again, offensive storylines, defensive storylines, some positional matchups and some different battles that we need to look forward to. And a lot of that comes with really the competitive nature that Ron Rivera has established in Washington, where snaps are earned, they're never given. Now, granted, there's obviously politics behind the scenes that go into a lot of individual certain playing time, right? You're gonna make more money, most likely you're playing more, right? You guys that make less money, sometimes they play less than what they should be playing. I think you look back to just Cam Sims over the last few years. He's a guy that's not making a ton of money, but every single time he's on the field, I feel like he's making an impact. Same with Jeremy Reeves, and even like the impact that Danny Johnson has had in relatively short spurts, both on defense, working over the nickel, and on special teams. But moving in to training camp, there are a bunch of things to look out for. And on offense, it starts with Carson Wentz. And that's going to be the entire storyline for the Commanders this season. How quickly he meshes in Scott Turner's offense. How quickly he meshes with the offensive line and the receivers. And that's where I want to start today. As his work, I'm sure him and Terry are going to have had a lot of work outside of the facility. But getting work in with Ron Rivera there, with Scott Turner there. That type of consistent, developing that consistency and that rapport with each other, because obviously Terry is going to get his and be a featured part in this playbook for years to come. And if Carson Wentz is the answer under center, not just in 2022, 
but moving forward into potentially the next few seasons, if he's able to recapture the success that he had in Philadelphia almost a handful of seasons ago, then you begin to really start to cook with gas for this offense because of the potential and the talent on paper that they have. And you look back to minicamp, you look back to the spring, some of the sessions that they had, and the chemistry that Wentz had with Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel even looked the back part of the roster with Dax Milne and Cam Sims, obviously. I feel like we talk about Cam Sims a lot and someone that I'm really excited to see this year and his progression, obviously, every target is going to be earned once again for him. But Wentz is meshing with those receivers and becoming comfortable, getting not just getting his feet wet in weeks one and week two, but entering those games with a comfortability that allows him and allows Scott Turner to really expand that playbook because of the different types of options that they have on offense where they can do a lot of different things with different personnel groupings, whether they run, want to run a base 11 personnel with run by one running back and one tight end or run some 12 with two tight ends, they can do some different things. And we obviously saw Wentz's success in Philadelphia with Zach Ertz, with Dallas Goddard, and their ability to create mismatches within the 20s. And then you go in the red zone and sure, your field is limited, but when you have two talents that can work over slower linebackers or smaller safeties, you can do, Washington has those options. And we'll get to Logan Thomas and Cole Turner, John Bates, the tight ends in just a little bit. But if we can go into week one and into the back end of training camp, even moving forward into the limited work that they'll see in the preseason, and you see that mesh start to happen quicker you know, rather than later, that's a humongous aspect for Washington to nail down in training camp that I'm extremely excited to see. You don't want to see Carson Wentz throwing a ton of picks in 7-on-7s seven or full 11-on-11 drills. Now, granted, you have to understand that the defense will always be ahead of the offense, especially when you have a new quarterback in town and he's learning a brand new offense. Some of the terminology from his time in Philadelphia to when he went to Indianapolis was kind of the same with Frank Reich. Now coming over to Washington, and Carson has talked a lot about it a bunch, but the terminology is different from the audibles to what he's doing pre-snap to what he could see potentially defenses rolling to post-snap and what his hot reads are. There's a lot of different things that need to be nailed down from the quarterback spot. And with Carson being the veteran that he is and an intelligent individual at the quarterback spot that has received rave reviews this offseason from Scott Turner and Ron Rivera and up to the likes of GM Martin Mayhew obviously pulled the trigger in acquiring Wentz from the Indianapolis Colts, ridding of that grace period with his young wideout core, new faces on the outside, will be paramount to Washington overall in reaching their performance ceiling as an offense. So from there, let's move to the tight ends room where this group is up in the air right now for me because I have no clue what Logan Thomas's health is going to be like moving into not just training camp, but into the regular season right now. But we know how dynamic he can be. And if you guys check out the draftnetwork.com where all of my written work is housed, I wrote last week on the importance of Logan's health within Washington's offense and how it allows everyone else to be better where they're granted different looks and presented advantageous matchups and obviously the relationship with he and Wentz because of Wentz's success that I mentioned earlier that he had in Philadelphia when they had their success, obviously, 
when they won the Super Bowl in 2017 with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard at the tight end spot. So Logan Thomas, not only is his story extremely inspiring, quarterback of Virginia Tech, I know a lot of you guys out there potentially you know, went down to Blacksburg as a Virginia Tech as your alma mater, but he's a quarterback at Tech and then was drafted by the Cardinals in the fourth round just a few years ago, transferred to the tight end spot, spent time in Buffalo, spent time in Detroit, now has come to Washington in 2020, he was outstanding working with Taylor Heineke. There's no reason to believe if he's fully healthy, where he can get up and go, that his success can't trump that and more from 2020. So his health is possibly outside of Wentz's immediate mesh with the wide receivers on the outside. Logan Thomas's health is extremely important to the overall fluidity of Washington's offense because of what he presents both as a blocker. Now he's not even, he's not John Bates level as a blocker, or even looking back to a couple years ago, and I know this name's gonna make some of you cringe, Jeremy Sprinkle, who was more so, just more of an extension of the offensive line when they drafted him out of Arkansas. But Logan Thomas can move bodies, and then he's an extreme mismatch down the field because of his size, because of his ability to win 50-50 balls. With him, it's more of an 80-20 ball, and he goes up in the air and snatches it out of the air, whether he's in between the 20s, or he's in the red zone, or creating over the middle of the field, or, just as that security blanket that Wentz needs when everything goes chaotic around him. Just hit 82 here, hit 82 there, five, seven yard gain here, here's 10 to 15 there, there's a pop 30 play. A lot of different things that Logan does for this offense, and I don't know if he's gonna be fully healthy for training camp, but if they can get him ramped up to 85, 90% by the back end of the preseason into the regular season, then things really start to become exciting for this offense because of the weapons that they have. But behind him, and if Thomas ends up on the shelf, they drafted Cole Turner for a reason. And at first, I know a lot of you were questioning because they obviously drafted John Bates out of Boise State last year, but, and Bates had a good rookie season. He was one of the most dominant run blockers of any rookie tight end in the NFL. But the name of the game is through the air and what is your prowess as an aerial option? And for Cole Turner, getting live eyes on him for me down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, I saw somebody that had a ton of physical traits and tools that you like from the tight end spot. He's definitely got an NFL body as a young kid, but right now he has to work on separating and gaining separation from linebackers and safeties that can run 4-4 and 4-5 and can be physical at the line of scrimmage and reroute you and I wasn't impressed with his ability to move people off the line of scrimmage as a run blocker. So if Thomas is you know, expected to miss time, Cole Turner is your potential tight end one option right now because I don't think John Bates, we saw a little flash last year from him at the back end when minimal work as a pass catcher, but Cole Turner had a ton of work in that Nevada air raid offense led by Carson Strong last year. And he showed in college in the Mountain West but can he show it in the NFL working over these extremely athletic second and third level defenders that are gonna get in his face and make him separate on his own? So I just have a ton of questions with this tight ends room right now because Logan Thomas's health is up in the air. Um, I am really excited to see the potential progression of Antonio Gandy-Golden, former fourth rounder out of Liberty that was a wide, now a wide receiver convert and they're trying to make it work with him. I think he's going to stand out working against the threes in training camp, but I don't think he makes the roster because they have three locks right now. Obviously, with Thomas 
Bates and Cole Turner. Or maybe we could be wrong and Antonio Gainey Golden just finds the success that he had at Liberty and what made him a an early day three selection and someone that Washington liked a lot because of his athletic ability. And he shows out in training camp and he's dominant in seven on sevens and he goes into the preseason and gets a ton of work and he's dominating other teams. And that's how you potentially, well, I think he'll still find his way to the practice squad, which he's found himself on plenty of times already. But I, who knows? We see it every year of a guy that's in training camp that stands out and makes the roster. And it's always, it's always fun to see guys, whether it's on offense or on defense. Last year with a little bit of Tory McTire, was extremely disappointed when he tore his ACL and was out for the year early last year as a corner that I had a ton of hopes for. Or you look back over the years to Brandon Banks, you look back to Rashad Ross. I know that name is goes way back for some of you guys, but every year sometimes, you know, guys stand out and they make their mark. I talked about Markin Michelle, a guy right now that looks to be on that wide receiver seven, wide receiver eight fringe. And if Washington's gonna keep six wideouts, usually that sixth guy has some special teams value. Right now, it looks to be Alex Erickson, who obviously Ron Rivera has ties to in Carolina as a punt returner. He could be the replacement for DeAndre Carter right now. But Mark and Michelle, a former CFL standout, is someone that stood out all spring long. Whether he was working with Sam Howell or Cole Kelly, some of the guys at the back end of the depth chart and, and for the quarterbacks. But every year we get a guy that showcases himself. I don't know if it's gonna be Michelle. I don't know if it could be someone like Khalid Hudson who we've been expecting to break out these last few seasons as a, the guy that played the jack spot on defense at Michigan and has really been up in the air as far as his role is right now for the commanders. But they have some depth and they have some pop at a lot of spots that's going to present competition and allow people to battle for that final, you know, 52 and 53 spot when final cuts are made on August 30th. Now, and speaking of August 30th, I want to switch over to the defensive side of the ball real quick for Chase Young because I believe he will start on the pup list to begin training camp. Now, I don't want that to scare you guys out there. The pup list, Chase Young can be activated anytime before August 30th, which again is the final day to cut for teams to cut down to 53. And we've seen it around football. The Packers put David Bakhtiari, their all-pro tackle, on the pup a few days ago. Colts put linebacker Darius Leonard on pup a few days ago as well. Don't let that name or that label of pup physically unable to perform scare you. From all we've heard, Chase Young looks healthy. He looks ready to go. Obviously, he's going to be riled up for a massive year three, which is crazy to think it's already his third season. And him and Montez Sweat have lofty expectations for each of them this year coming off of the edge. But again, when you look at it and when Chase is eventually put on Pup, which I expect him to end up on to kick off camp, don't let it scare you. He will be activated obviously before August 30th. He will be the cornerstone of Washington's defense this year if he's able to get going and live up to obviously his expectation as a former number two overall pick after a impressive 2020 season. And then last year, obviously dealing with the injury was more of an anomaly. So let's switch back over to the offensive side of the ball. And I wanna talk about the big boys up front and the offensive line, which has a ton of new faces. Charles Leno returns at left tackle. Sam Cosme returns now back healthy. 
at right tackle. Chase Roulier will return again. Another guy that spent time on the shelf. Healthy at center. But left guard and right guard, two new faces. Left guard Andrew Norwell and right guard Trey Turner. Left guard last year, obviously, was Eric Flowers. Right guard was all pro. Brandon Sheriff, who's now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we'll get an early glimpse of his potential success with Jacksonville in week one. But lots of new faces. And the biggest thing with that is they've all been around the league. It's not a rookie at left guard. It's not a rookie at center or right tackle. These guys have been around the league. And Sam Cosme, which someone that I'm extremely excited about in year two. Now, granted, you look back to last year's film and even you turn on the week one tape when he was facing Joey Bosa in week one when Washington lost to the LA Chargers. And it was more of a, hey, you know, welcome to the NFL, Rook, from Bosa. And he worked him to the inside, worked him to the outside, bull rushed him a few times and was in Taylor Heineke's lap. Well, really, in the first half, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick's lap. You know, that seems like a fever dream at this point. But for Cosme now healthy, an extreme athlete on the outside, someone that I expect to break out and potentially become Washington's maybe second best lineman because Chase Roulier remains one of the most underrated centers in all of football. And his health is going to be paramount for allowing Wentz to keep his eyes up on the linebackers and safeties and allow Roulier to communicate to Norwell to his left and Trey Turner to his right and obviously out to the tackles. Who they're blocking? What are their assignments? Who's blitzing here? Who's coming off the edge here? Allow them to communicate and allow Wentz to keep his eyes up towards the second and third level. Washington's front five has me extremely excited, especially if they're able to stay healthy. And with the coaching and tutelage of John Matsko every single week, you have guys that are better on the league. You have guys that have seen it all from a blitz protection standpoint, what they're doing in the run. It's just having veterans along the front five makes a massive difference when you're bringing in a new face under center that's also trying to learn where his receivers are, what the routes are. And then you take those kind of assignments away from Carson Wentz and having to not say, hey, Leno, watch the watch the rat here, which is a corner blitz on off his left side, and then switching in and he'll say, hey, to Andrew Norwell, check out this guy here. What where's the mic here? What's this? What's going on on the right side of the field? Keeping his eyes up, allowing the veterans to do their work along the front five will only allow this offense to flow smoother and have more fluidity, which I talked about earlier. And granted, now Sam Cosme is only in his second season, but the prowess and production that he showed as the right tackle when he was healthy and really was able to anchor those feet in the ground, get out in space and throw corners around, seal linebackers into the dirt. He did a lot of different things that make you excited, not just when they drafted him out of Texas, but he flowed that into a, a really impressive rookie season in nine starts where I wish we were able to get a full 16-game slate, but hey, now we can get him in a full 17-game slate, obviously, with the extra game added on this year. He could become one of the top right tackles in football. I don't Obviously, he's not there yet. We, so we've seen just a ton of tackles these last few years across football come in and dominate, and health is the most important thing for all five of them on the front because some of them have those aging bodies, Norwell, Trey Turner, Charles Leno is getting up there in age a little bit. Now, Trey's almost 30, but he's got a ton of snaps under his belt. Five-time pro bowler. You know, he's been around the league a little bit. But Sam 
now fully healthy, protecting Carson Wentz's arm side is going to be extremely important for him to stay available because there is limited depth behind him other than Cornelius Lucas, who looks to be Washington's swing tackle right now. So as much as I talk about Wentz's rapport with the receivers, the front five, Chase Roulier out, you win championships from the inside out. And you look at the defensive line, and Washington has obviously spent tons of first-round picks and now second-round picks with Henry Mathis this past year on building the defensive line out from the D-tackle spot to the DN. Now, you look at the offensive line, drafted Chase Roulier a few years ago. They drafted Sam Cosme last year. You bring in a couple free agent ads in Leno, Norwell, and Trey Turner who have been around the block, and it could be a very easily a top 10 unit in the NFL, which I expect it to be. So from there, I want to switch over to the defensive side of the ball and discuss the corners and who is going to be CB3 because right now, if it were me, I'm sliding Kendall Fuller into the nickel spot and I'm sliding Benjamin St. Juice opposite William Jackson, but right now I don't think that's what Jack Del Rio wants to do. And right now it looks like Benjamin St. Juice is gonna be that CB3 getting a ton of work opposite whether he's working over. I think Del Rio has comfortability of, of Benjamin working over opposing teams as wide receiver one or two. I do not think William Jackson or Fuller will travel. I think that's worst case scenario, especially if you ask Fuller to travel, because I've been extremely disappointed with Kendall Fuller's kind of second stint in Washington. And his first season, excuse me, his first stint in Washington, he was obviously over the nickel. And that short area quickness that he showcased when he was at in school at Virginia Tech, that's why Washington obviously drafted him early. But I think 2022, and now with St. Juice healthy, he dealt with some concussion issues in his first season. But him being fully healthy, I think he's going to have a massive workload on the outside to where I would even argue that he gets some more snaps than Fuller this year. And now granted, you always have two, two at least three corners on the field at all times, but St. Juice has been, from all reports, dominant in spring workouts. He is healthy. Expect him to go into training camp and get more work working opposite of Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown. All those names will only make him better. Now, he dealt with his lumps last year. Again, week one was a big time welcome to the league moment for both he and Cosme that we just spoke on. But St. Juice has all the tools that you like in an NFL boundary corner. Long, physical, aggressive, can turn and run, can come up and fill and not afraid to stick his nose in the mud. But I just, I don't see how Kendall Fuller, maybe he does work at CB2 this year and see what happens. But right now for me, I'm, I'm slotting St. Juiced over William Jackson and that's what I'm rolling with. And Kendall Fuller is my CB3, quote unquote. Um, I don't see anybody traveling and I know when Washington took St. Juice out of Minnesota last year, he was looked upon potentially as that guy that was going to play the Buffalo nickel. And I know we talk about it a lot here on the pod, but the importance of that big nickel spot for Del Rio's defense, whether they want St. Juice to do that this year and just get him on the field because he can make plays and, and all levels of the defense, okay, that's fine. But if you want to start him on the outside, and then you want to bring in a Derek Forrest or a Khalid Hudson 
where he just drafted Percy Butler out of Louisiana Lafayette, a guy that I would rather have working in the deep parts of the field as kind of that middle of the field safety. We saw his range that he was able to showcase at Louisiana, more that center fielder type of role and roaming sideline to sideline, 15, 20 yards downfield. That's where I see his immediate role coming right now, other than being a special teams core guy in year one. But the secondary outside of William Jackson may enjoy some shuffling during training camp and the workload that we see in the outside and where Washington lines and their base packages, especially when they go full full pads, 11-11 drills, and we see Jackson Fuller and St. Juice as Washington's three primary corners. So from there, it kind of takes me into the depth that Washington has at corner that scares me a little bit. Even though I do like Danny Johnson, I think Cornelder's been a decent story. They obviously like him inside that building because he's back for another season. Whether he has a role this year remains to be seen. He could fill that Tory McTire role that we talked about earlier, even moving into the port early portions of last year as a special teams guy and as that CB4, CB5. But they drafted Christian Holmes out of Oklahoma State, who right now is a special teams core guy like Butler, but is someone that is another long, physical, athletic kid that can do some different things on the outside. And I think moving into year one, he'll receive a limited workload, obviously, coming in and defending him, you know, third and long, third and eight, third and nine, third and 10 plus. But we know that you can't ever have enough pop at the corner spot in today's game where you're facing the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens, the Justin Herberts, Aaron Rodgers. Now, Washington's schedule this year right now looks easier on paper. I say that with air quotes just because you move into the first month, month and a half of the season, you get into week seven, week eight, and a lot of these teams get better, a lot of these teams get worse, and then there's some teams that just stay right where they were. The strength of schedules don't really mean anything except for on paper before week one. Now, Washington will not face all those quarterbacks that I just mentioned that they will last year, but they're still going to face good quarterbacks. They face Trevor Lawrence in week one that's expected to take a decent jump with Doug Peterson now as head coach. And they obviously brought in some weapons for him and some guys obviously to protect him up front, like Brandon Sheriff. Then you move into week two and you got Jared Goff now. Granted, it's a guy that has received a lot of criticism, but he's an NFL quarterback and the Lions compete their tails off every single week last year. Then you move into week three and you got Jalen Hurts, which is facing an ultimatum this year in Philadelphia. So it's not Rodgers, it's not Brady, it's not Mahomes, it's not Allen, it's Her not Herbert, but Every single guy that they face is an NFL-style quarterback that can sling it down the field with some success. And having enough corners that are able to counter the prowesses of these aerial attacks that every single NFL offense, unless you're in New England or you're Tennessee, that want to run the ball a ton, you're going to need that CB5, CB6 guys to not just produce on special teams and be gunners and get down the field and make tackles, but rotate in the back end, whether it's at safety whether it's at corner. And I think that's where you'll find a lot of Percy Butler and Christian Holmes this year. But I got a, a little bit away from myself jumping over the defense. I do want to jump back to offense. Now we're jumping around here just a little bit, but hang with me here. Talk about the running backs because the arrival of Brian Robinson from Alabama has thrown a wrench a little bit into the overall workload of Antonio Gibson in year one. Now I'm extremely happy that J.D. McKissick is back. Obviously, we saw him pull the old Kadok 
on the Buffalo Bills this offseason, and he will have his workload, whether he is just a primary third down change of pace out of the backfield receiver, or he gets some early down work. But if Antonio Gibson is not able to hold onto the ball this year, I would not be surprised if Brian Robinson trumps him in carries and overall just amount of snaps. Because of the impact that he had at Alabama, the love that Washington has for getting guys out of Alabama, obviously they drafted Federer Mathis in the defensive line, and then they drafted Robinson, two Bama guys, to add on to John Allen and Deron Payne, and they look back last year with Landon Collins on the roster. But they have a nice trio of backs to work with, but with Robinson now in the building, it's like Antonio Gibson constantly driving and looking at his rearview mirror. Where's Brian Robinson? Did I do enough here to get another touch? Now, granted, Antonio Gibson was top three in the NFC last year in rushing yards, but it was the fumbles and the consistency in his inability to take care of the football that could put him on the shelf. And you don't want to see that because of the talent that he has. And it's also a little bit tricky because you remember Antonio Gibson was a primary receiver at Memphis before coming into the NFL and really learning the running back spot. And he is extremely dynamic in all facets of the running back spot. He's really a a weapon X. But Brian Robinson barely put the football at all on the ground when he was at Alabama in the SEC against guys that were obviously early day one, early day two picks in the NFL. And he just did not put the football on the ground. And taking care of the rock is one of the biggest things at any level of football. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're not able to take care of the football, you're going to find yourself holding a clipboard. And I think the workload for Antonio is going to be massive in the first few weeks of the season. And I do think that Brian Robinson will work into a nice workload as well, where that, yeah, makes it a little tricky when I get to J.D. McKissick, because if Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson are on the field for first, second down consistently and a little bit of third down work for Antonio in the passing game, which I know they like to work him in on, obviously. And we saw last year his beautiful screen pass against Buffalo taking it 60 yards to the house. But J.D. McKissick is one of the most dynamic change of pace third down guys in the entire league, which adds a whole different dynamic to the Washington offense. And But there's only one ball to go around. And you have three different bodies with three unique skill sets to get the ball. I would not be shocked if Washington has Gibson and Robinson or Gibson McKissick or Robinson McKissick in some different combination on the field at the same time, just to throw some unique looks to teams. And even if they want to flex out Antonio and give him some more look at a wide receiver spot, let's say if Curtis Samuel were to miss time or he's not showcasing well at the position, allowing him, you know, allowing Antonio to get some more work on the outside, that could be an option, especially again, if Logan Thomas is to miss time and they need some more you know, sure hands on the outside. Those are just different options that you have, which brings me back to, to Ron Rivera bringing in faces and competition at every single spot to where every single touch is earned. And that goes for literally every positional group on Washington's offense, from the quarterbacks to offensive tackles to the running backs to the tight ends. Everything will be earned this year. And running back spot could be a, whether Antonio takes the job and runs with it and becomes one of the most dynamic weapons in the NFL remains to be seen. If he puts the ball on the ground, then you could see a lot of Brian Robinson and J.D. McKissick this year. I think you'll see, again, a lot. 
of each talent this fall. And Antonio Gibson remains Ron Rivera's bell cow back. But Brian Robinson is riding Gibson's rearview mirror. And if Gibson continues to put the rock on the ground, Rivera should have no hesitation in plugging in Robinson as RB1 this fall. From there, I want to jump over to the defensive side of the ball on our final topic of today's episode. And that, of course, is the linebacker spot. And Jamin Davis in year two with Cole Holcomb. I don't know what to expect from the linebacking core this year. I don't know if Del Rio wants Cole at middle linebacker. I don't know if he wants that quote-unquote Mike in the middle of his defense. It's a dying breed in today's game. You need linebackers that can do a lot of different things and play in space, and that's what Holcomb and Javon Davis do well and need to do well within their defense this fall. But in Washington, potentially add a, a veteran that gets cut from another team to bring in as some depth. Sure. But right now, I don't see how Washington approaches the year with Cole as the middle linebacker because it limits his overall ability at the second level. And Cole Holcomb has been nothing short of great in his first few seasons out of North Carolina. Um, I'm not going to say he's been obviously one of the best linebackers in football. That would it's not not realistic. But it's someone that can play in space. He can attack downhill. He can buzz out on running backs. He can cover tight ends. He can make some plays on the football. He plays with a battery pack in his shoulder pads. And someone that the defense rallies around at the second level. That's exactly what you want at the linebacker spot. And then you drafted Jamin Davis in the first round last year. And he obviously took his lumps in year one. And he showed some flashes towards the back end of the season last year, specifically at the Las Vegas game and against the Eagles. But moving into year two for him and really year two of their combination at the middle of the defense, limiting Holcomb to just playing the Mike spot that John Bostick played and towards the latter end of last year that David Mayo played a little bit, comparing Holcomb's skill set to Bostick and to Mayo is comparing apples to a door frame. It's just not even in the same stratosphere. As far as athletes, as far as what they offer at the defensive spot, I don't want Holcomb just to read gaps and work downhill on the run. And Phil, I want him to be that multi-level versatile defender that he's proven to be every single season he's been in DC and Jamin the same thing. Let them work in space and then allow them to attack gaps and blitz and get after the quarterback a little bit. Allow Jamin Davis to showcase showcase that four five speed that he showcased well obviously when he was at Kentucky, which made him a, a mid first round pick in 2021. So I'm just remaining extremely up in the air with what Washington wants to do with their linebackers Considering the fact that they do want that Buffalo nickel spot, I don't know if it is Derek Forrest or Klee Hudson, and we talked about St. Juice a little bit, but they don't need, for me, they do not need a typical Mike linebacker in the middle of that defense. Davis and Holcomb are your two starting linebackers. Let them play in space, and if you want to bring in a veteran 
as a potential sub package guy to come in and fill maybe on early downs or short yardage stuff just to add some more beef in the middle, that's fine. I think that's why you have David Mayo. He offers you a guy that's been around the league a little bit, can play the linebacker spot, but he's not even close to the same athlete that Davis or Holcomb are. He's static. He's a locker room guy and someone, again, that's been around the league a little bit and that understands what Jack Del Rio wants to do from a defensive concept standpoint, what they're doing schematically at all three levels. But you don't want him playing 70 to 75% of your snaps at the linebacker spot. Let Jamin Davis work. Let Cole Holcomb get his work. I'm extremely intrigued about Jamin in his second year. He's going to need to be better. Um, I think he's improved a lot. You look at what they've talked about just in their off-season press conferences, you hear Jamin talk about how the game is becoming slower for him, which is allowing him in turn to play faster, trusting his eyes, trusting what he's seeing. A lot of the time last year, he didn't know really what he was looking at. Once the game begins to slow down for him, you'll see his speed start to flash, the power that he has, the ability to make plays on the football that he showcased obviously at Kentucky. There wasn't much of that in year one. And I don't want to give up on the kid. And I hope a lot of you out there aren't not on the Jamin Davis train. But you have to give it time. You can't just expect players to draft them and immediately be productive, highly productive in year one. Now, granted, we see that every single year. Um, you know, just last year we saw Jamar Chase obviously take over the world literally with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. But comparing the wide receiver spot to the linebacker spot in year one is a little bit different especially when you consider what Rivera and Del Rio ask of their linebackers at the second level. And it really is a lot, both in filling in the run and in the passing game, out in coverage, and whether in end zone or they want to throw even some unique man looks when Davis is covering tight ends, running backs, or even working over the slot sometimes because they can run with any receiver that they face. So linebackers possibly are the positional group. This is why I want to finish them finish the pod today with that group is because it's a group that's really up in the air right now as to what to expect and what their performance ceiling could be. I think the floor is relatively high because I know what to expect from Holcomb and the expectations of the improvements that I saw from Jamin in the spring and then moving now hopefully into camp and hopefully you know he can translate that into the regular season but when you have two athletes that can make plays the second level and do a lot of different things for you and you're expecting your front four to get pressure with Allen, Payne, Young, Sweat and then Fenerian Mathis rotating in as a three-tech defensive tackle you got some pieces within those first two levels and I don't want Washington to get static by just saying we want that typical middle linebacker and moving Cole to that spot just because. Allow Holcomb, allow Davis to play to their ability, to play to their skill set, play in space, and then come in and make plays in the run. Just a lot of them to just roam, roam around, make plays. Athletes in space is the name of the game. Holcomb and Davis are athletes. Just let them play. Let them play football. Let them trust their eyes. And I'm really excited about that second level this year. I just don't know if I can place my finger on what really, what Del Rio wants to do right now, whether it is just a regular two linebacker set, their base set with Holcomb and Davis, or they want to bring in that third, whether it is a Buffalo nickel or whether it is a Mike and two outside linebackers remains to be seen. But that will be kind of figured out here in the next few weeks 
and into the preseason. So training camp kicks off tomorrow, July 26th, out in Ashburn. The, both the rookies and veterans report tomorrow morning. I'm extremely excited for them to get rocking and rolling out there. The regular season starts September 11th. College football, week zero gets rolling here in a few weeks. Football is really gearing up. We talked about it a lot back in April with the draft, with this team coming together on paper. You're starting to see guys mesh out in workouts, through mini camps, OTAs. Training camp is when you really begin to get excited for the season and you can just smell that football is really right around the corner. And I know a lot of you out there are pumped up. New uniforms this year, potentially a new stadium here in the next five to seven years, potentially. We'll see how that works out. But both sides of the ball are extremely intriguing. I'm not gonna sit here and make projections on this team right now. We will do that during the season. When we get into lots of game previews, we're gonna have a lot of guests on for each week previewing each opponent, recaps each week. Extremely, extremely excited for the 2022 Commander season, as I know you guys are out there. Always appreciate you tuning in. Please leave us a like, share, comment, review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your news, your sports, you can find us. Again, all my work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler. And again, Appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy the first few days of camp. I will talk to you guys later in the week. Have a good one. I hope you guys' summer is going well. If you guys are on vacation, appreciate you tuning in on your vacay. Or if not, hope your work week is going well. Spending time with family, enjoying the hot summer heat. But football's right around the corner, folks. Hope you guys are getting excited. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. This is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.